Ladies and gentlemen, it is a cold and wet Melbourne night. If you are joining us and listening, you must be ready for Cast Dice. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cast Dice, the podcast that explores the wild and wacky world of tabletop gaming. Uh, It has been said, probably on this podcast about a million times, that we are in the middle of a gaming renaissance. There are just so many fantastic games that we can spend our hobby dollars and our hobby time on these days uh, playing and having fun with our friends. This is the podcast that sort of explores the games that people are playing, uh, often the games I'm playing, uh, and just the greater gaming industry as a whole. Now, joining me tonight is an old mate, and I know I say that a lot, and I do. Um, I got a lot of friends to play games, what can I say? Uh, This is a gentleman who I met across a gaming table, ooh, five years, six years ago? It would have been a very long time ago. Uh, but what makes him so special in, in my mind is if you have played any sort of war game in Melbourne, there's a very good chance that you would have run across this guy because his tastes are as eclectic as mine. And he is a just a I was going to start dropping expletives. He is that nice a guy. He is just so fantastic to play. One of my favorite opponents in wargaming in Melbourne uh, and just a rad human being. And the only other North American I can think of who plays games in Melbourne. Not to mention, he is one of the cast of one of my favorite Malifaux podcasts, The Red Jokers. Of course, I am talking about Byron. Byron, welcome to Cast Ice. What's up? <laughs> oh. I was trying to think of the worst way to introduce myself there, just to throw you off. But wow, what a glory. Did you read that off a scroll? Like, did you actually just pull that up there and just list up these titles? I like that. That's what I do. That's what I do. <laughs> Has it been five years already since I beat you? Some, oh, why, why did you go there? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's got to bring it up there. The Beastmen don't win very often. Yeah, that, well. that was a, that was Game. That was good. What was I playing? Was I playing Tomb Kings or Vampire Counts? I can't even remember. It was good. I think it was Vampire Counts. That's right. I, I was using. Yeah. It was my. Uh, so I was running Tomb Kings models um, as an Egyptian themed Vampire Counts army because if you remember the old Lemian vampires, they all had that yeah. Egyptian feel, and so yeah, they were pretty cool back then. It was pretty. It was pretty themey. I like that. Yeah, I love. I just had my big old block of gore just run straight through your army. It was everything worked out perfectly for me, anyways, but. It was an epic game. It was so good. It was. It was. It was wonderful. And uh, I think mid game, you looked at me and like, "You're one of the dwellers below." And I was like, "Yeah, I'm the bad one." And then you proved it by curb stomping me like a noob. <laughs> that game went very long. We went right, uh, right past lunch. I remember that we each had like you know 150 models each. Oh. So by the time we finished packing up, we just scrambled and have a quick bite to eat and get to the next game. That was, that was back when the House of War was a traveling caravan of tables. That's right. They just went, stopped at various bars, and you'd play a tournament, and then eventually they settled down into uh, Ringwood there in their own little shop. That's right. So maybe it wasn't five years. It feels like it was a long time ago, though. But yeah, it was when the Dwellers Below were still going, and Warhammer Fantasy oh, oh, still oh. exists. Did they ever stop? I mean, I, I see some rumblings in the distance. <laughs> uh, I may have hung out with some folks on the weekend. Uh, 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 no comment. Um, no comment. <laughs> And uh, that is it said with the cheekiest of grins and a glint in my eye. Uh, the dwellers, uh, no comment. Anyway, 
uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Cast Ice. Now, we are not talking Warhammer Fantasy tonight. As much as I would love to talk about Skaven at the moment uh, or other fun fantasy armies that had once given me joy in my heart, um, we're actually going to talk, well, we're going to talk a few things. But before we get to um, sort of the, the far afield, I think we should probably start with the game that you've probably been playing maybe most recently, Byron. Um, most recently, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you've definitely been spending a lot of your hobby time on. You are playing a very niche army in bolt action. Byron, I, I, I'm, I just can't help but, given your accent, is similar to mine, and yet you are not American. Can you tell us why you would possibly want to play Canadians in World War II? Well, why wouldn't you want to play Canadians? Uh, they had an amazing historical presence there, actually. The uh, the first Canadian paratrooper squad were uh, renowned for actually never, ever missing an objective. They always secured their objectives all the way through the entire campaign. And there are many, many battles where they've actually where you don't know how the British Commonwealth went. You know, if the Brits mm -hmm. had to go at it, they didn't quite make it. They'd usually send, you know, one of the Commonwealth countries into mm -hmm. a death zone, more or less. Yeah. And uh, more often than not, the uh, Canadians came through, you know, Passchendaele, Dupree, different war zones like that. So it's a bit of a historical pride for me to get into a World War II game and then bring back uh, the old Canadian flag and try and fly it as high as I possibly can. Awesome. Yeah, man. I mean, I, just exactly what you're talking about as far as uh, when I when Bolt Action first dropped and I really wanted to get an army for each of the major nations, uh, one, I, I immediately wanted to do a British army because I looked at, at that at the new book at the time, um, the the armies of the British Commonwealth book. I forget what it's actually called, but the British book. Uh, and yeah. it I looked at it and went, cool. I hate the models. Um, I I don't want to play. I don't want to play British. I, I'm just I'm not. And um, Dave was talking about doing Scottish stuff. And since I was, um, my wife is Scottish. I was like, oh, I'll do that. No, Dave's doing it. Um, I need to do something else. And it was that whole. The more I read about Commonwealth troops, uh, the more I was just infatuated with doing something that looked different um and, and then that led me down the rabbit hole of doing something that was different so uh for those who have known for years i've been playing sikhs uh indian troopers uh in the desert and so i've got a massive army uh so one of the things i did for a long time warlord didn't make a model for the blackguard bombard which is in the, the British book. Um, and I, I really wanted one. So I scratch built one because uh, Indian troopers used it in the desert. So I got one of those. Um, I loved the look of the Indian carriers. And that's actually what got me looking at Indian troops in the first place. Which those are, are very cool models, that's for sure. Oh, and did man. you ever like, place them in a lot of cover and just declare that they were hide and seeking? Oh. Of all the Sikh jokes that I've made, I don't think I've ever made that one. Yeah, you gotta go there. Oh, it's so good. Uh, but no, I had, uh, because they look like like futuristic little boxes with wheels, but rules-wise, they're just Indian carriers, sorry, uh, not Indian carriers, that's their name, uh, universal carriers on wheels, not tracks. Um, and they're actually written in the rules that way. And I just went, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely doing this. This is cool. But just looking at them, 
that just the appearance and it wasn't just a reskin. It actually led to me going down a very interesting rabbit hole listing wise and theme wise um, that I really enjoyed. And I'm actually about to probably go down that path again uh, because I've been talking with some friends about getting some armies together to play um, Italian campaign, specifically around Monte Cassino. And because my Sikhs are wearing the right clothes, my, my all of my infantry's quote unquote correct. And the bases look like they match. All I need to do now is paint some new vehicles. And Lord knows I hate painting a tank. So I'm looking at those going. <laughs> I thought that was your favorite thing to paint vehicles. So oh, that shouldn't be too is. far feeling uh, your alley there. Yeah. That's... But I feel like what you said there, like uh, it's amazing how one unit or one vehicle can pull you into a whole direction. It is. Like I was just going through the British book myself and I found uh, a listing for the Ram, yeah. the kangaroo Ram there. And mm-hmm. I'd actually never heard of that. And then I realized the more I delved into it, it's actually a Canadian based vehicle. Mm-hmm. So the Ram was our, our version of the Sherman tank. Yep. And then when the Americans created the Sherman tank, the Ram was not nor near as good. It was basically a shit Sherman. Yeah. So we had a whole bunch of these tanks laying around just for uh, training purposes. And eventually the war got desperate enough that one of the commanders was just like, well, these things are sitting around doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Let's rip the top off, stuff a bunch of guys inside, and just run them through. And it's a brand new transport. Maybe not the most comfortable one, but uh, if you're not being shot at, I think you go in it. Oh, God, yeah. And it's cool. I was about to literally ask you when you started going down that rabbit hole. So um, has Canadian uh, listing led you down that that different choices? Because the Ram Kangaroo is a really interesting choice. Um, If we look at the rules for it, it is uh, 127 points regular. And you might say, God, that's expensive for a transport. But it holds 11 guys. It's a medium tank, and it's a medium tank. And you just look at it and go, that's pretty good. Um, Half-track, eat my heart. Oh, sorry. So, no, it's the the one thing is it's open-topped. Yeah, you you lose a turret there, the giant big gun. But you still keep the little uh, MMG that's still attached there. Yeah, but it's, I mean... It's pretty damn good. Um, if you look at it, it's it's it makes for a really interesting list. And I've heard some quote unquote, you know, uh, I know Anthony talked about running some back in the day. And I know there's a few guys in the UK who are considered sort of quote unquote power gamers who are looking at this as a really strong, efficient choice of getting things in. And they're talking about putting other Commonwealth countries in it. And you go, well, okay, I guess maybe that that happened a couple times. But if there was ever 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 an army that should have a ram kangaroo in it or at least one it's the canadians which is why anthony ran them because um anthony of old uh bolt action alliance fame slash ghost army podcast slash lrdg royalty slash old school um he spent a lot of time in Canada, and he, he had a couple Canadian armies, and he loved Canada, and that's why he was looking at the kangaroo. It is distinctly Canadian. Um, I've actually been looking at a lot of Canadian stuff in the last week. Um, have you looked at running CMP trucks? Because I'm, I am all over those, like, like white on rice at the moment, because they look so cool. No, I have not. I need you to send me the links for that. I haven't got uh, that far into it because uh, mostly I've been doing kind of paratrooper uh, uh, lists there. So mostly just coming guys that would kind of drop down with what they would have. 
So I haven't really gone to the armor division, but I'm very much looking into that direction lately. Mm-hmm. So definitely kick those forward, and I will be incorporating as much weird and uh, well, not weird, but as much distinct stuff as I possibly can, and to make it as truly Canadian as I possibly can. Because I think that's one of the great benefits of playing a game like Bolt Action is that you get that kind of national, bit of national pride, but you also get a bit of that historical sense you can bring to the table and just sort of show people all the cool stuff that well cool relatively speaking because it wasn't war but you know no yeah exactly the, the, the stuff that happened there it's, it's still interesting and um definitely pays respects to the people still too yeah well the cmp truck warlord doesn't actually make a cmp truck um which is why some people don't know it um, but it was the Canadian military pattern, um, and that's what they were called. And they were uh, basically Canadians um, made and shipped out these trucks, and they're very boxy. Um, they're, they've got a really distinctive look that doesn't look like anything else. Um, but they made different sizes. There's the small, there's like a light truck, there's a big cargo truck, and there's a bunch of different sizes to these things. And eventually, I believe they sent out the templates. Now, I haven't done the actual historical research too much on this, um, but they were they were basically sent out to Commonwealth countries and forces beyond Canadian troops uh, in tons of different um, theaters across the war. So, I mean... The reason I'm buying them up is for my Sikh troops because um, Indian troops had them. Um, but let's see who makes so. Um, oh God, this of course bad radio. Now my brain is falling out of my head. Um, Rubicon makes uh, one that I just bought that looks oh, pretty. Rubicon's at a bad damn. company. They just picked up a tape for that there actually. Yeah, no, and they they have they give you the option of having um, an empty bed in the back or having um, a covered back, and they give you the option. I think there's a couple different options to modify the cab, but they it's one of the few trucks that ag- that comes with a bed um, pencil mounted MMG, which is what everyone seems to want to put on their trucks these days. Plus, that's like cool as. Yeah, man. And they're, it's just cool. Um, and there's, there's actually, as I said, there's, in reality, there are different sizes of these. And I was going down an internet rabbit hole uh, not too long ago, and I ended up on a site that, of stuff that I'd seen. I just had never ordered from the company, and I wanted to give them a go. So I ordered some stuff from AnyScale Miniatures or AnyScale Models um, in the UK. And I ordered, because their stuff is... It's really cheap for what it is. Um, so I ordered um, a wrecked Opal Blitz truck and four or two Opal Blitzes and two Multiers. And um, which are the Opal Blitzes with the half track tank tracks in the back and wheels on the front. Um, oh, that's a sweet look. Can't oh, yeah, go wrong with that, man. That's awesome. Well, yeah, I was looking at it going, I really need some of this. And um, I bought them. And look, man, I'm really happy with the quality. I, I also got. What what really drove me to them um, is they had a bunch of stuff you just can't get. So um, the land mattress for U.S. forces, um, what is it, the stickleback? Is that what they called it? Yeah, oh, the old stickleback that uh, Nick Beatty's been going on about there. Yep. <laughs> I've, got, I've got to get one of those there, the old Chad Kroger-powered stickleback. <laughs> yeah, speaking of Canadian. Um, so, there's the, so they had that. They have the Humber... Um, staff car, which is like as big as a horch. So I'm wondering if, you know, mm. if I should use it as a light truck to drive some bros around. I basically wanted to get some some different looking 
vehicles for my Sikhs for Italy. Um, and I did the research and the Humber armor or the, the Humber, not armored, the Humber, um, staff car or whatever, I think it's called heavy field car or something like that. Um, it was in Italy and it was used by Indian troops. So I'm looking at it going, yep, I'm going to put you on the table because I've never seen one of these before. Um, and the models are great and I'm, I'm loving it. But one thing that they make is they make an, they make a range of sizes of, uh, CMP trucks. Nice. I'm going to have to take a look at that because you're getting me to build a brand new list as we're speaking right now. That sounds fantastic. I love it. Yeah, man. They're inexpensive. Like the really basic models. Um, but if you don't like, I like basic because it's very easy for me to panel paint it and then do the, you know, do weathering on it. I think that's great yeah. for my personal style and Good man, canvas for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I could not have been happier with the quality when I opened the box. So um, I like it like coming different sizes because it's so Canadian because you'd have the six pack of beer, the 12 pack of beer, the 18, the 24 pack. Yeah. We like to give a lot of choices. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So, all right. Um, that's that's kind of where I've been going with this. But um, what? let's talk about your list because you played at Operation Wolf. Um, that was your first event. And then you, a couple, well, like a month later, you played at Operation Grief. Um, so you've played in two 20-plus player bolt-action events at this point, and you've played some friendlies on top of that. Um, how, I guess, uh, let's start with, how are you liking the game? I've been loving the game, actually. The community's been fantastic. It's such a great, refreshing response to see all the positivity out there. It's been actually really, really great to see these cool events there, and they've really just propelled me forward. And uh, the bolt action itself is surprisingly easy game well i wouldn't say easy but it's you know the car the core concepts are easy to grasp difficult yeah. to master there's a lot of nuance there mm -hmm. but overall you can pick it up very very quickly and it makes a lot of sense and it moves very very smoothly like, i've never been a guy that's really you know really obsessed with game mechanics like i'll play a game if i just like the fluff the story the people i play with mm -hmm. you can have terrible mechanics <laughs> infinity <laughs> <laughs> yeah or, uh, but uh, this game, like it really, I like how the shooting kind of works out there. Cover is very simple. Mm -hmm. Assault is brutal. So you can just, I, I played one game with Monroe at the very beginning, and I basically knew what I needed to carry forward for the rest of the tournament, the rest of my games. And I loved it, man. It was just fun. That's the bottom point of it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, man. I mean, that's the whole point, right? It's fun. It is a fun game. Like, just to get together with your mates and play some games. Um, and that's, I mean... For Operation Wolf, I, I was pretty happy with the uh, the level of laid backness of most of the people who are playing. A couple of people brought, um, I don't know, my, their game face. Like they they really wanted to try and win something, um, and I wasn't so happy about that. As the guy who ran that event, um, I really was kind of sad that that happened, um, especially since I'd spent a lot of time sort of talking about how it's a beginner's tournament for people to learn the game and spread the community. Um, well, there was quite a few uh, new people that uh, a lot of us just first time playing there as well. Yeah. I still thought it was a really good beginner event. Yeah. Man. And I thought people were very, very generous with the time, very generous with the rules. And how can I say the, the painting was absolutely phenomenal. I was so yeah. blown away. I only got my stuff base coat. I'm like, okay, well, you know, it's not super great, but you know what's the tournaments I've been at for war games? End up being a lot of gray plastic and stuff there. So I was like, okay, well, I'll just bring that. And I was ashamed. I put my stuff in a box. The <laughs> level of craftsmanship and hobby that went into and the, the care that went into these armies 
floored me. I was so impressed and inspired. It was insane. I loved it. Yeah, man. Melvin's got some some rad stuff. And man, look, your stuff wasn't bad at all. You were just in the process of painting it. And for Operation Grief a few weeks later or a month later, your stuff was... Dude, I looked at it. I had to do the double tag. And you were tapped as one of the 10 armies to put your army on display. Like, because... Yeah, I thought that was really nice of Tristan there. It's still a work in progress going on there, but uh, it was nice to get the tap there. I really appreciated that. Yeah, man. Well, you deserved it. Your stuff looks great. And I was just really happy that you were able to get that recognition um, and get it out, man. And I'm looking forward to seeing what you continue to do with it. Because you are, I mean, <laughs> your beastmen were beautiful. Um when I've played your, where I've seen your stuff on the Malifaux table, it's beautiful. So I was assuming that you would bring that to bolt action. It just takes a little bit of time to get an army ready. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Thanks, man. And can I say that you are beautiful, Brad? Not as beautiful as you. When oh. when we pause for a second, just a little behind <laughs> baseball, folks. A few there minutes ago, uh, we actually had to stop because Skype had a little hiccup and we mixed it in. I can't believe I'm actually talking about how we stopped and then restarted and I seamlessly edited it out and now we're talking about it. But, you know, <laughs> the I, of broadcasting. Uh, I, uh, I counted Byron back in and what is the first thing he did? He cut me off and started talking about the hair tonic that I have been uh, putting applying on my head and doesn't work. You need to get some new stuff there, man. You get the, the hair follicles, the good stuff that gets in there. The one that goes deep to the scalp. Is that like Rogaine Black or something? Or are we going to start singing uh, Killed the Wabbit, the uh, the hair tonic uh, Looney Tunes cartoon with Bugs Bunny and Elmer Fudd? Or Bugs Bunny's rubbing Elmer Fudd's head there, and he's got the whole orchestra going on there. He's got all four paws digging deep into the scalp. Yes. That's what you need. Yes. All right. I feel like we've gone a little left of center. So let's let's drag this back. Um, Should I talk about my list that I brought for grief and the other events? Yes, please. Um, so tell us about what you've been taking, because your list for both events were fairly similar. I mean, clearly they couldn't be the same because one was 900 points and the next one was a thousand. Um, what what basically what have you put in your list? And because I know you bought the basic American box. Did that yeah. sort of. Did that largely shape your initial army, or did you go off reservation? Well, I actually bought the uh, Conflict 47 boss because I was a bit more interested in Conflict 47. I thought, well, great. I'd have a bit of both, and that'd be a good starting point. Mm -hmm. And ended up not being so much because I had to buy a whole lot more of the regular bolt action stuff to be playing so much of that. So mm -hmm. the beginning of that worked out pretty good. Uh, I've been talking a bit about uh, the Commonwealth version of Canada, but the list that I've actually been playing with is uh, an American version. And before you start going all pitchfork on me there in regards to that, there's a very good reason for that there. There actually was a very elite squad, the, uh, the first special service forces, where they actually combined the secret project where they combined Canadians and Americans together to make an elite kind of um, elite squad that goes up behind enemy lines. Mm -hmm. And if you've seen the movie Inglorious Bastards by Quentin Tarantino, yep. that's basically what the squad is based off of. Brad Pitt's character is, actually has one of the, uh, the album patches, the uh, kind of arrowhead that uh, they would use. So it's, it's heavily based off of that. And they would go behind enemy lines to kind of strike terror and try and uh, get objectives where nobody else could. So it was a really kind of cool, cool hook to go onto. 
definitely. And when I played you at uh, Operation Grief, you actually handed me one of those arrowheads. Um, you made, um, you know, a little card to hand out to people when you killed stuff. That was just awesome. Um, can you explain like the symbolism behind that and why you did that? Because that was that was just such a cool little bit of fluff. And you're like, oh, by the way, here's something cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, you killed my unit. I'm like, here's a card for you. Feel better. <laughs> Not exactly. But <laughs> but that, that was actually something they used to do. They uh, they created these stickers that would have the album on there. There's an arrowhead with USA on the top and Canada kind of running through it, and it has a slogan. And my German's a little bit rusty, so I do apologize for anybody out there. But it was Das Dicke in der Kommt noch, and it basically means the the worst is yet to come. So they sort of leave these stickers hanging on there to like dead, you know, dead uh, officers or, uh, you know, mm -hmm. objectives that were taken and just sort of like kind of strike fear to anybody else that would find them on there and try and make the sense that they're a bigger force than they were. And that kind of started around towards the end of 1944 in Italy when they did that. And they once held out for about 99 days, I think it was, without any reinforcements. And they would drive trucks around to kind of make it seem like they had a bigger force, you know, constantly moving, shifting around. So it was, it's kind of a cool thing to bring in there, I thought. For every, uh, I was gonna do it for every unit I killed. But that seemed kind of mean. But for the first unit I killed, I'd always drop off one of those stickers that they would actually do back in the day, and just sort of represent uh, that on the tabletop a little bit more. That's awesome, man. I love that you. Uh, I mean, clearly you. I mean, you were just getting your army up and running, but you already have this cool fluff that's running in the background of your army, and it it very clearly explains why you were using the uniforms of the guys that you're using because you're using predominantly American models. Um, and you know, it, uniforms and vehicles. Um, and well, the it, Canadians showed up. They actually, well, they were looking for a lot of guys that were hunters or mountaineers or guys, you know, just sort of living in the wilderness. And when the Canadians showed up, there were every guys from like wearing kilts, the lumberjack outfits, and everything. So when they joined the American forces, there was a bit of a clashing there, and eventually they settled on using the American uniforms and using a lot of the, you know, the American supplies, seeing as they had so much of it late in the war because mm -hmm. they arrived late in the war. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right on. So you've been running these as American models on the tabletop for now? For the rules-wise, yeah. So uh, is that just because you're running the American models? Have you considered at one point uh, maybe switching and trying the Commonwealth rules but continuing to use your same models? Or does it make more sense just to paint a new army and go a different route if you want to go Commonwealth? Uh, it makes a bit more sense to paint uh, more of a Commonwealth-themed army based off of that. And uh, that's my next plan is actually I've got the whole British, uh, well, we'll be Canadian at this point, then uh, first paratrooper squad that I've been developing on there. Nice. And actually at the end of the war in 1944, when um, the first uh, special service force, which were also known as the Devil's Brigade, mm -hmm. uh, when they were disbanded in 1944, a lot of uh, whoever was left went into the first uh, Canadian paratrooper squad as, to uh, replace the casualties in Normandy, and they continued on with the war at that point, so... I'm going to have some of the characters, which I've modeled. I've actually put, like, you know, facial hair and a couple of small details on each of the models. I'm going to have them join up with my other force there. And eventually I'm going to make a uh, Battle of the Bulge for us because they were the only uh, Canadians to make it all the way to the war. The, actually, the only Canadian force to meet the Russians at the end of the war. And uh, one or two squads there will be composed of veterans from both of my armies. I'll try and do little nods to each of the, each of the historical armies that came from there. And you'll sort of have this progression little storyline. Uh, but it's, it's possible that there could have been one or two people that made it all the way through both squads to the edge of the war like that. Mm. Dude, that's awesome. 
Well, that must be why in your because you gave out this beautiful page of fluff as well. Um, not just the card with the the logo on it. You actually had a very nice story written up for Operation Grief, which is what Lockheed the TO had uh, encouraged people to do. Uh, but yours had pictures of Canadian troops. Um, sorry, Amer. American Canadian um, troops um, in different battle scenes in the background. You even had a coffee stain on your paper, which is amazing. It looks so good. I have to give credit to Nick Beatty for that because we did have a arms race of who could make the better pamphlet for a while there. So when he was making his whole signal pamphlet, he's got this whole make believe uh, like German magazine he did for his King Tiger and his whole display that came out there. So he just he really set the bar there. So I started working on my little uh, top secret file on the uh, Devil's Brigade as well. And we just kept adding more things and just kept getting a bit more out of control, which probably should be of a concern to our bosses because we were using a lot of ink <laughs> at work, a lot of time that they paid us for for this. Awesome. Well, I did notice there was a familiar face coming out of a, a landing craft in one of your photos. <laughs> yes, there was. I slipped that in there to see if anybody would actually notice. Um, some people did. A lot of people didn't. I just took the photo for being real, which I think is kind of funny. But uh, I took a picture of um, James Howlett, a.k.a. Logan, a.k.a. Wolverine, the greatest mm-hmm. Canadian superhero, uh, from uh, the Logan movie when he was doing the World War II scene. So I've kind of snuck him in there. And as an avid comic book reader, um, I've kind of like put him into the Army as well there, along with you know Sergeant Rock references as well. And I kind of going to have him running through all of the forces that I have as a kind of a little bit of a nod to uh, that pulp culture there. Yeah, man. Well, you definitely couldn't sneak Puck, North Star, or uh, Sasquatch in your army. Uh, those yes, being... yes. I love how you know Alpha Flight. It is so obscure. Oh, it's so good. It was one of my first comic books, man. I read Alpha Flight for years. Loved oh, it. Oh, man. So great. I love Puck, man. What a ridiculous superhero he is. Well, uh, just to get off topic slightly uh alpha fly comic books is where i learned about the purple man which of course um was mm. the villain in the uh first uh jessica jones series and he was he, a very terrible villain until the jessica jones yeah. uh book came on alias yeah and wow that transformed that around yeah that got dark quick Woo. yeah real fast yeah real fast all right uh let's get back so but Puck t- himself is literally just like he's a midget with the power to throw himself around like a puck yeah. He's just a really beefy midget. He doesn't his power set's very vague in regards to that. I, I'm embarrassed to say that when I read those comic books as a kid, I was like, okay, I get Sasquatch, I get North Star, looks like the Canadian flat, like kinda or no, North Star looked like the Northern Lights, and then um oh, who's the leader of that group? Um uh, it was Guardian uh Mac Hudson was it? No, I see when I read the comic book, it was his wife. Oh, uh, yeah, because he blew up at one yeah. point there. Um, I can't remember. Anyway, that whole, like, I was like, I get you, you're the Canadian logo. I get you, you're stars in the sky. I get you, you're the giant Sasquatch thing. I get you, you're the Snow Witch. Like, all of this makes sense. And then there's Puck. And it didn't occur to me till years later, I'm embarrassed to say, because uh, I was a kid when I was reading these comics, that I didn't get that Puck was a hockey puck. <laughs> that was his whole thing. He literally like, had a P on his costume. Yeah. Like his costume was black suit with a giant P on it. And, he, and was, he would just like throw himself at people. Yeah. Yeah. Way to have a superpower, buddy. <laughs> I'm helping too. <laughs> anyway, moving on. All right. Moving on. Let's let's actually I'm uh, we're having too much fun. Let's actually talk bolt action though. All right. So your list for 
do you want to talk grief or do you want to talk wolf? Let's talk grief because it's the most recent thing and yeah. you, you learned from your Operation Wolf experience and you, uh, you beefed out your list. So what did you take to Operation Grief? Okay, so uh, basically to stay in theme of the fact that they're elite commandos and also to kind of save on how many models I need to paint, <laughs> I just went full veteran on the entire list. Mm-hmm. Not really realizing how good the rules were or anything. It just like it made sense to me to go full veteran. Yeah. So uh, my squads were, were pretty small. So I'd have uh, let's see, the second lieutenant. Uh, he had a little buddy with him. Three veteran infantry squads. Only three squads of seven people each. One bar in each one. Um, a, a sniper team, bazooka team, a heavy motor team, a Sherman M4 Sherman mm-hmm. with the gyro stabilizers, and then an M3 uh, half track as well. And, and that what, was it. It's a very small lead army. What I loved was that you, I mean, look, yes, veteran veterans are very durable. Yes, veterans are good. Yes, veterans are a good thing to learn with, which is why you took them. You also needed the model count to get things done so you could get things on the table that look good. And it makes total sense. Um, I, oftentimes when you see people who are trying to game the veteran armies, they'll take a bunch of things that are veteran and then they might sneak some regular or inexperienced stuff in there with things like mortars or half tracks or trucks or, oh yeah, they're veteran troops being driven around by the lackeys in the back line. Okay. That made no sense to me. It's like, well, if this veteran elite squad is going up there and they're driving straight into the enemy lines, why would you just have like this hunky dory dude in the, in the front? Right. <laughs> Interesting entire life of this guy. And he's like, come on, pa, let's go. Yeah. But dude, you had everything in your army. Everything was veteran. And it yeah, just, I mean, that, that, uh, that motor squad's 94 points and they still roll a six to start with. Like it, it doesn't get any better than that. Yeah. And, uh, dude, a veteran half track that that's not efficiency at work for you right there. But look, I'm sure um, having played you that you did not regret taking that though. I did regret it in our game because you blew it up as soon as it moved forward. <laughs> it didn't last very long there. Spoilers. But, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, man. Well, right on. Let's. Um, so, how did you find the list? What were the things? I mean, your list is fairly standard in that you have some infantry squads, you have some of the basic tools, a mortar, a sniper, uh, an anti-tank asset in the form of a bazooka. You have a tank, um, you have a transport, um, you have some infantry squads, uh, and you have your LT. I mean, it sounds like a stock standard bolt-action army if you were to cough, uh, cough up a stereotypical force. Um, that said, the way you themed it uh, and the way that your painting went and the fact you made everything veteran, I think, made it a little atypical. Um, how, I guess, as having played with the Army a fair bit now, um, what are you really liking in the Army and what do you think, um, what are you thinking about changing or adding to sort of compensate? What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I thought um, as a beginner, it was a very good beginner learning kind of list like that. And it was, it was made to be all tools, kind of all purpose on purpose, all purpose on purpose, <laughs> but it was meant yeah. to be something that I could just sort of learn the game with, try a couple mm-hmm. of different things out, see what works, see what doesn't, have tools for everything. So I like that it actually worked very well that way. The uh, veterans themselves are extremely durable. Having to uh, wound on five, well, man, they stick around for a long time. Yeah, they do. And they're surprisingly good at assault for whatever reason. I think I just roll really well on that. And even the motor squad. I thought would be, you know, oh man, then I could do so good there. I kind of put him in the open, and I had a big battle with um, Jail, jo- Joel. I can't quite know his name there from the Baconburgers past. Jail. I'm sorry if I'm butchering for you, Jail. 
Yeah. And he kept trying to snipe them, and he would hit them every time. But for the life of him, he couldn't roll that five to wound the motor squad. And when he did, there was four of them anyways. <laughs> so it was pretty mm-hmm. interesting. That kind of worked out that way. Uh, what I did notice, though, especially in our game, was that um, I just didn't have the uh, the manpower to get around. You had a few more squads yeah. than I did uh, in infantry-wise. So I, I, if I got pinned down or if I didn't roll particularly well, like I was rolling well for um, hitting you, but I didn't roll really well for killing any of your guys, I wasn't able to kill as much as I wanted. And basically I was just down to not having enough shots. So I thought about dropping down a couple of squads to uh, regular to get another squad in there. At least have one or two veteran squads as well. Just to have more bodies and a bit more options. Because as an elite army, if you do lose a squad, you feel it. Like, oh, yeah. There's much you can do at that point. Agreed. Agreed. So you have Operation Bear coming up, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, what are you looking to add? Because uh, you're talking about maybe downgrading to regular to beef things out, but you're also getting an extra 111 points from Operation Grief. Um I know you picked up some new armor recently. Are you added, thinking about switching out the Sherman, or are you thinking about um, just adding more dudes? What are you thinking? Uh, doing a little bit of both there, yeah. So I'll be adding more dudes. I'm going to have two squads of veterans, um, maybe at least two squads of regular. I'm going to drop probably everything down to regular because I felt a little bit bad for some of the stuff uh, being veteran and just mm-hmm. living forever. So I mean, I'll try regular for that, but still keep the uh, a little of the veteran theme going through. Mm-hmm. And then I won a Hellcat at the last tournament. And how good is that prize support, by the way, in Bold Action? Oh, it's gotcha. amazing. So I didn't have any plans to use a Hellcat until I won it. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess I might as well use this. And it turns out it's a pretty good tank with Ricky in there. So I'm going to try the new Ricky rule. And because Nick Beatty's and me have this sort of escalation war of hobby and gaming going on there, and he's been going on and on about his King Tiger tank. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do this obscure version of the Hellcat called the Super Hellcat, where they took an M10 uh, turret with a 90 millimeter and kind of slapped that on top of a Hellcat chassis and just sort of drove that around. Like, look what we can do. We can make this bigger. So I thought I'd try that. I'm going to model that up there, probably play underneath the same Hellcat rules, unless uh, they want to allow some special rules for that, but probably not for this event. And uh, just see what it looks like. Have a bit of fun. That's awesome. I did not know a Super Hellcat existed. Um, I would they think you could... them. I don't know if it actually saw a lot of war use, so I'm kind of pulling a little bit there. It was very... They only built a couple of them. They definitely made them. They definitely tried them out. I'm not sure how much wartime they saw. They probably didn't see it in Anzio, so a bit of a caveat on that there. But uh, it'll definitely fold well nicely into my K-47 army when it gets to that point. Okay. I thought I'll build it. I'll have two turrets. I can swap them out. It'll be a bit of fun. Oh, that sounds awesome, though, man. Like, just, again, just having flipping through books and finding squads that, uh, you know, no one makes models for is one of my favorite things to do in bolt action and then go, I'm going to build an army around this because no one does that. Um, oh, I've done so many Wikipedia rabbit holes. Like you just uh, you start clicking things like, ooh, look at this operation. Ooh, look at this link. Ooh, these guys are here. I wonder what they took. Oh, they had that thing. Ooh, I'm going to do this now. Yeah, right? And uh, you just there's just so many awesome little things you just like, wait, I didn't know that. Oh, wait, what am I doing now? Oh, this is cool. But yeah, yeah so the M88, I'm looking at the M8 Hellcat, and it already has a heavy AT gun. Now, you could run it if you wanted to take a Super Hellcat. Um, I mean, you could upgun it to and run it as a Jackson, which is I guess it's a heavier tank, though. If there was... It basically is the Jackson turret on top of the Hellcat chassis, more or less. 
Yeah, I would say, I mean, because that the Jackson, of course, has the super heavy AT gun. And I was like, oh, yeah, just do that. But um, no, it's a heavier armor. So I don't know, man. Maybe I think you're right. Maybe you just run it as a Hellcat. That is that is cool, though. I love that. Yeah. Um, At a future event, I'd like to kind of like maybe go through the whole um, the vehicle building rules. I've kind of looked at those a bit. Mm-hmm. Maybe have a play with them and try and work it out because it would have light armor still. The Hellcat itself was designed just to be a fast runner, open top tank that kind of uses maneuverability and speed to get around the larger tigers and panthers and try to hit them on the side armor. Mm-hmm. So I feel the Ricky rule still really needs to be there to represent that kind of speed. Yeah. But um, you do have to pay for it with the fact that um, it's a tin can. I mean, you're going to get. You're going to get some ventilation in there if you get head back. Yeah, dude, it's a seven armor open topped vehicle. <laughs> I yeah. love it. Yeah. Yeah, the snipers to pick guys off. Oh, man. But, yeah. Uh, how crazy is that? An open top tank. Uh, it's insane. And uh, like I was reading about it, like, you, you get right into these things, and the ventilation for the, the engine used to come through the cabin itself. So they had a lot of trouble towards the end of the war when it got towards the winter. They'd have to wear like, you know, like, uh, like big coats and like earmuffs and stuff. Because all the ventilation for the engine ran right through the cabin, and there was no way to stop that. So you just got extra cooling no matter what. Oh, that would suck. <laughs> yeah, no, that would not be my idea of a good time. You would think, oh, engine exhaust. You know, at least it's warm. No. <laughs> yeah, how Canadian is that, though? Just a bunch of guys in earmuffs running around with cold beer yeah. flying through their uh, super fast tank. <laughs> that is very Canadian. I love it. Well, we both just went to Operation Grief, so why don't we talk about that? Um, Now, Operation Grief was an event run by the guys who do the Bacon Burgers podcast. Um, Lockie was the primary TO, tournament organizer. Um, He ran it on the day, Um, although I think he and Tristan did a lot of the logistical work prior to the event. Um, It was at Club Tivoli, which I'd been to a couple of times previously. it's a German club in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne. Uh, and so it is, I mean, they have, it's like, I don't know, like a, like a veterans hall or an RSL. I'm trying to think of the, the ways that you could describe that to people in other countries. But it is, it's, you know, the beers. Uh, it's, it's a very RSL kind of feel to it. It's definitely, um, it's definitely like an old, older kind of club feel to it, you know, Somewhere where like uh, people tell war stories and play, you know, crib and stuff like that. We have a little bit of pub, uh, but uh, we kind of commandeered it to play some war gaming, and they do like saga and a few other events there as well, I believe. Yeah, and what they really, what I really liked about it is, um, not only was the venue just amazing. Uh, as I said, the, there's a club that me- meets there regularly, the League of Ancients. They have just awesome. Uh, it's just it's a great room. The food is excellent. The bar is unbelievable. Um, all the ger- all my favorite German beers are there, and um, I just had a really wonderful day hanging out and playing with friends. Um, it was a huge event, largest Melbourne had seen yet, um, at twenty seven players plus Lockie Gumbying. So I think we got to twenty eight, which is huge. Um, it's amazing. That's very very cool to see, and it was cool to be a part of that there. Hell yeah! I, I do know that was the biggest event yet, so there. I'm sure there's more to come on the horizon. Oh, yeah, yeah. yes. Um, it, dude, it was great. It, I'm mean, the fact that we fun. keep growing as a scene. Anyway, moving on. That uh, that has been talked about on other podcasts. Um, the it was it was just a lot of fun. It was a great day. Um, 
again, it was supposed to be a, a day of just relaxed gaming. Um, they didn't have a podium. In fact, um, they weren't keeping track of wins and losses. Uh, it really just came down to showing up, playing a couple of games, and having a good time. Now, part of the reason why they didn't have a podium was um, because the the venue was only open for certain hours, um, they just couldn't get a third game in. Uh, and I definitely, as a TO, I definitely know what that's like to be like, well, okay, I can't use this great venue because I need to get at least three games in in a day. So they, their response to that was, well, we won't. We'll do two. And because it's two, you can't get any sort of podium from that, um, not with any accuracy. So they just took it away. And it was just a day of fun. Um, there was a Best Painted Award. There was a Best Theme Award, the Hanno Swag Award of old. Um, and there was Best New Player. So they encouraged a lot of people to come. Uh, again, most people brought some really awesome themey stuff. There was some great minor nations. There were some good new players. Um, so there was just some pretty armies that no one had seen before. Um, and it was a pretty relaxed, pretty cool atmosphere, I got to say. Um, in the run-up to the event, I really struggled to figure out what to play. Um, I really wanted to do something fun and weird. Um, and in the process, I ended up going through an ADHD um, downward spiral of insanity, um, which eventually led me to want to try and take a winter Soviet army and have some fun because I've been painting Soviet tanks and trucks forever. And I was like, you know what? This is going to be great. I have all the models. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be regular um, Soviet troops, end of war. I'm not going to take the free squad. It's just, it's going to be great. I'm going to take a SU-152. I'm going to take three trucks. Uh, I'm going to take um, a uh, Kamsamolets uh, artillery tractor. I got all sorts of wackiness going on here. I got some ski troops. It's going to be great. It's, everyone's wearing white. Everyone's wearing, you know, white chipped tank armor. This is fantastic. And then I realized I had five infantry models left to paint. And white takes a really long time to paint on infantry. So I still think you should have just done white bases and said those five guys were stuck in the blizzard. Oh God, I probably should have. Um, look, Locky, I contacted him during the week and was like, look, and I was thinking, great, I've got this entire week of painting to go. Look at me go. And then I podcasted with the awesome dudes from Knights of Dice one night. Um, and I had some work stuff go down on some other nights and I was feeling a little under the weather and was like, I just can't get this done. So I switched to an Operation Grief themed army for an event called Operation Grief. Um, now JL, you played JL and JL took an Operation Grief army, um, like mine, but he went a different route. Um, why don't you talk about your game with JL and maybe what your experiences with the army were? Um, and then I'll talk about my army and we'll see where we go from that. So um, you play JL in game one and he was playing Germans that were themed around Battle of the Bulge, Operation Grief or Griffin. So um, do you remember what was in his army? Because I have the basics down, but. Uh, a little bit there, yeah. It, it was a great game, by the way. He was a fantastic guy to play against there. So, oh yeah, it, it was pretty neat. Kind of like I listened to the Bacon Burgers just before, for the first time before coming to the event, and I was playing him, and I was like, "Wait a minute, you sound a little familiar there." Yeah, it turned out that he was from uh, obviously the cast there, mm -hmm. but uh, mm -hmm. he ran uh, the list there with um, 
the Brendenburgers there. He had a couple of squads of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had um, one of the Panthers, I believe there was it. So, yeah. um, I realize I'm getting very foggy on the whole list itself, so maybe I'll let you read it out. Well, I don't actually have it in front of me. What Now, did his... <laughs> okay. I, well, I, it, it was a couple of infantry guys. It was uh, two squads of veteran uh, Brendenburgers. He mm-hmm. had an um, anti-tank gun there as well, a uh, sniper and uh, a panther. And a jeep, yeah, he had a little guy in a jeep there, so it was it was pretty good. It was pretty neat uh, playing against the with my American Canadians who kind of came across there, and uh, he played it very very well there. I hadn't actually he put the um, the artillery gun kind of uh, facing the road and stuff there, and I kind of forgot it was there, and I ran my uh, jeep up first turn. I'm like, oh sweet roads, I get like double movement, sick mm-hmm. ass, gonna burn up, moved out there and completely, and actually went on fire uh, not once but twice. He put it on fire each time he hit it, and it still would die. I ended up rolling like a four or a five on the leadership dice, and it just mm. kept staying alive. It was pretty sweet. Gotta love veteran Jeeps. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty sweet. And uh, he put his snipers inside one of the buildings there, and he kept trying to snipe them out, snipe my motor guys, but they just kept surviving. It was pretty cool for that. And eventually, I zeroed in on them and just blew the uh, the ever-loving out of that uh, little uh, tavern they were sitting in there, and that was pretty cool. Nice. But uh, I struggled to really get the reserve rolls on, so I couldn't get my Sherman on to about turn three. And yeah. his uh, Panther just bullying stuff around there. And just as turn two ended, he uh, he was like, oh, man, I've, I've totally forgot to use Tiger Fear throughout this entire game. I'm like, oh, sorry about that. So like, we'll, we'll use it next round. How about that? That sounds great. Cool. So I rolled my roll for the Sherman, and he came on. I'm like, okay, here goes the Sherman. Shoot your Panther. I blow it up like first turn. I'm like, well... Don't have to worry about the tiger fear anymore. <laughs> awesome. That was a bit of a poop rule. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. <laughs> love it. Love it. Now, was he running the panther that you can't see until it fires, the Ertzatz panther, or was he just running it as a regular panther? I'm not sure, but he had it in the middle and he was shooting everybody with it okay. anyways. So it wouldn't have mattered at that point. Did it have a mentioned- did it have a hull mounted machine gun? It did, yeah. Okay, then it was a regular panther. Because the Ertzatz is um so the Ertzatz, for those who are listening who may not know, it is the it's it's when it's part of Otto Scorsese's force um, operation for Operation Grief or Griffin, where he dressed German soldiers up as American soldiers um, to get behind enemy lines and to like move road signs and basically so um, so havoc behind enemy lines. Um, and as part of that operation, he actually had a few line uh, Panzer Brigade 150 was outfitted with um they got some looted american gear in the form of some half tracks and some trucks uh and some jeeps and whatnot um and they were hoping to get like basically all this captured stuff but they couldn't get anything that actually worked um they actually got a couple of shermans but they couldn't get any of them to actually run and so um the engineers behind the scenes grabbed um some panthers and a couple of stugs and they welded sheet metal on the outside to change the outline of the vehicle to make it look more american um the the panther in particular was made the turret was um the shape changed to make it look more like a wolverine and the hull was changed it elongated um and different angles were sort of laid out on it to make it look different but literally it was just sheet metal attached to the outside of these tanks um, and then they painted it in American colors and they dressed the crew in you know American uniforms and they sent them on their way. Um, and so in bolt action, those rules are in the Battle of the Bulge book. Um, 
But so he took Brandenburger units um, and he dressed them in enemy clothing. So just like I was talking about with the Earthside's Panther, you couldn't shoot at those guys until they got in within a certain range, right? That is true. Yeah, it'd be within six inches there to uh, do a roll to see if you can uncover them or wait until they shot or assaulted you. Yeah, I have one of those units in my. I had a um, a Battle of the Bulge force that I made in version one before the Battle of the Bulge book came out. Um, that was themed around Operation Griffin, and I painted an Earthsass Panther when Warlord made one, and I I painted a few other things to match um, a, a jaw a, a truck a. Um, dodge weapons carrier or a beep a big jeep and a few other things to match the army for the infantry i sent off to andy singleton from volley fire painting service um, and he did a wonderful job they they look so good Um, but i have one squad of american infiltrators in my army and i was thinking cool i'm gonna run those rules the same ones jail did Uh, and then i went you know what this is supposed to be beginner friendly event and um and look i i'm actually in retrospect, I should have done what JL did and taken my one squad because I think it, it would have made for a themier army. It really adding those rules really adds flavor to the army. Um, but in the end, I my think so too. Yeah, it would have been. It wasn't too bad actually playing against him. It was, it was very interesting to see how they all worked. Yeah, I mean, definitely. More than anything else, having the uh, the negative one to reserve rolls, that's what really hurt the most. Oh God, yeah. I mean, American. You were running Americans, and they na- they naturally ignore the the negative one that you would normally have. But having <laughs> bacon burgers, I mean, sorry, Brandon burgers attached to that would make it um, even harder to come on. Um, and I was thinking, look, I'll keep it simple. But I would like to play that army with the squad of Brandon burgers and Inertsat's Panther. I'm sure you lose the hull machine gun, but you gain the ability to sort of maneuver before you start shooting um, without people having to shoot at you, um, which is kind of interesting. I think it's more for themey fun games for me. Um, Plus, honestly, I may not remember all those rules in a competitive environment, but if I was playing a friendly afternoon game with some friends rather than three games in one day, uh, I think I'd be more likely. That said, um, I took a bunch of regular uh, German troops, um, with a smattering of, there was one LMG in one squad. There was a bunch of riflemen. There was a couple of assault rifles per squad and a couple of SMG per squad. Uh, because Battle of the Bulge, those weapons were kind of smattered through the force. Um, I took a truck. I took a horch, which I basically, I ran the Dodge weapons carrier as a horch, um, as a looted one. Um, and I took a regular Panther. I took the Earthsath Panther using the regular rules, just like JL did. Um, and yeah, man, I had a lot of fun with that army. Um, I kind of forgot how fun sort of bland, you know, quote unquote, regular German armies are. I haven't played that army on a table in a long time, and I had a blast. So it's got me yeah, it was, thinking. It was pretty neat, man. It, it, was, it was a good time. And like the Brandenburgers weren't too bad, but that also comes down to the fact that my guys are, I mean, I'm not a very lucky guy in a lot of things, but my assault rolls are just devastating for whatever reason. So when he decided to assault my guys, like, I'm coming out of cover and assault your guys, I was like, come at me, bro. Good luck with that, buddy. Yeah. And I just steamrolled over him. And as you found out in our game there, I think I wiped out two squads and one squad as well. And like my Canadians, they just go two at the nail. They just roll those fives like nothing. I love it. 
I love it. It's, I mean, you, uh, it actually goes sort of in the face of what the averages are more than what, I mean, veterans are tough, but the way you roll, your veterans are really tough. And so just really, really tough. Yeah. But I love it was really good too because he modeled one of his guys up to look like Donald Trump as well. So it was extra funny there. So we had a lot of fun with that with a little Donald Trump. And we have uh, the best Nazis, the the greatest Nazis here. We are going to win so bigly. God, man. Thanks, Obama. Um, but no, it was uh, fun to uh, curb stomp that guy. Yeah, exactly. Here, catch. <laughs> yeah, um, with a grenade. Anyway, the oh God, it was just I had a lot of fun with it. And um, Jail and I had very similar armies. I would love to sit down and compare notes with them. I wasn't able to do it a ton on the day, but um, I also have been listening to the Bacon Burger Cast, and I just I've been digging uh, his contributions um, on the more historical. Uh, research side of things. And I, yeah, I think he just, he knows his stuff, man. It's cool. Yeah. It was yeah. really cool to get the perspective there. And then uh, after that game, we played each other and you got to use your nicely winter themed dudes on that sweet um, desert table that we played on. Yeah. That was super awesome. <laughs> yeah. I was like, how themey is this? Um, yeah. Hold on. Before I get to our game, uh, I played uh, our good friend Nick Beatty in round one. Now, for those who whoa, whoa, were... whoa, 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 there's no good friend about that. There, it's a, <laughs> you know, that's hyperbole. That's good. You know, he is uh, he is an enemy of the state, more yes. or less. Yes. Well, he is the man. If you haven't been following on the Australian uh, New Zealand Facebook page for Bolt Action, who had lovingly converted, and I mean, had spent countless hours uh converting the best looking king tiger model i have ever seen um he has put tiny little u-rungs in for his guys to step on um an ir system uh he green stuffed a tarp on there but it's it's not just nice and smooth it's beautifully wrinkled uh and then painted it's like a uh, it's just the the tank is uh, exceptional he had a brass rod um he somehow found one. I, he may have bought it from another kit. He may have had it made. I I don't know. He talked about it on not the last um, cast ice. He, he talked about a couple cast ice ago. But he spent so much time on that tank. And then if you think he spent that much time on that tank, half of so he bought two of the Fall of Berlin boxes, um, the infantry box from Warlord. And so he ended up with doubles of models. Well, he doesn't like doubles. So what did Nick do? He converted. A, every model in like that 30 model box so that they didn't match the other ones the conversions are so well i didn't even realize half them were conversions right oh it's a little box full of character he's like yeah no i built all these guys i'm like oh wow and the the commander at the top of his tank is actually almost entirely green stuff as i put the head in the hand it's he's so well uh then the modeling so well on it you couldn't even tell it looks like a real um model that would have come with his tank yeah. Well, he and I, we, the three of us played a game uh, prior to the event where you brought your Canadians. I brought my IS-3 Soviets and he brought his um, Fall of Berlin Germans with the Tiger II. And it was basically the Tiger II versus the IS-3 with, you know, all sorts of infantry shenanigans in the middle. The little Sherman there just trying to do what he can there. Yeah, that was like the <laughs> little Sherman. Point, really. Yeah, exactly. It was the little Sherman that could. And uh, but so this time it was like, all right, now we're going to do it. And it's going to be the big cat versus the big cat. So I had my Panther and he had his Tiger too. And uh, we just, I mean, we both, we knew that we were going to give each other Tiger fear. And uh, hey, guess what? Uh, apparently my Panther is scared of a Tiger um, because it ran away. 
It failed its test and was like, nope, I'm out of here, buddy. Um, it because did... it's the fear of a tiger at the start of the fight. Oh, God, it sucked. I was like, you're kidding me, right? My pa- my t- my I paid for a tiger fear tank and I get tiger feared. Oh, uh, tiger feared. By the way, is the new word of the day. I spend my day talking with talking with children, and the number of children that get you know improper or irregular verbs wrong. It, oh, I, I played it outside, and you go, no, you played outside. <laughs> As your eye twitches grammatically, <laughs> I singed in music. No, you sang in music. Um, yeah, exactly. I start getting the teacher twitches. And of course I just did it on mic and recorded it. So everyone can hear it for posterity's sake. Anyway. Uh, so I played Nick and that was a great, we had a wonderful time. Um, and it was just, uh, you know, nice, relaxed, fun game. Um, I think we drew, um, I can't honestly remember. We were playing Heartbreak Ridge. Um, one of the old, uh, Bolt Action Alliance mission pack missions, um, you think I would know it because I wrote it, but, um, yeah, it was a good time. Uh, I really enjoyed that game and had a really awesome lunch. And then we came back and we played each other. Um, I grudge because there was no podium. You could grudge anyone you want. And, you know, after a three-way battle, I wanted, you know, individual man on man, Dukeru, two on, you know, one on one. Battle. Mono, a mono. I, yeah, I would like to go. note, though, that uh, Lockie took me aside separately and he was like, Did, did you know that Brad Morin grudged you? And I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we talked about it. I was like, I, Are you sure you want to play him? <laughs> yeah. It was so good that he actually asked for confirmation. It's like, Who surprised grudges somebody? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Surprise. I'm, I want him. Uh, here's the thing I'm not bunny hunting. There's no podium. And B, have you seen the veteran list? Anyway. Um, so yeah, we played a kill point mission game and it was great. It was fun. It was, uh, we set it up was so much fun. It was so much fun. It was great because at the beginning you were like, okay, we'll play a nice casual game. We'll have a lot of fun. I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. Sounds good. And then you moved your tank in between the scenery and put it on top of a fountain and like pushed the trees <laughs> out of the way. They're like, oh, okay, now I'm going to shoot your guy with impunity. I'm like, oh yeah, I see how this is there. <laughs> Look for the record, obst, um, not obst, like things like walls, heavy tanks just drive over them. Uh, so I drove over a fountain. It wasn't a <laughs> Best big. Your style. They kept calling that driver the Vin Diesel of uh, the <laughs> the German force there, that. just ramping up there. I am Groot. <laughs> a little Fast and the Furious joke for those at home. Uh, it was it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Well. Uh, the best part of uh, that for me was, of course, because I think you got really uh, a little big for your britches after killing Jail's Panther. So uh, you're, you're, a little bit there, yeah. your Sherman came around the corner and mine was looking at you going, come on, buddy, what do you got? You took your shot, you missed. And then uh, I, I think I put a some sort of tunnel that you would run under, you know, a river for a cars to drive it, through. It was an sized hole on there. Like you rolled a, a six- Yep. For like the hit and like five, it was a five to hit and like a six to, to the wound mm-hmm. for the penetration. And then you roll two sixes after that. Like it Damage. was the most obscene series of rolls that totally decimated whoever was left aside. It was a donut sitting there just whistling sounds going on. It was awesome. I was like, yep, thank you. And you're dead. And where'd that half track go? Um, which takes me to my next point. You've played against the Panther twice now. Um, I think, like, I I really enjoyed playing with Panthers in version one. 
Um, I love taking Tiger Ones. I love taking big, stupid tanks. God, man, I had not played a ton of Panther games in version two. I played a couple when the game first dropped to try a heavier tank. Uh, and then I've just been messing around with minor nations with tiny little tanks for a while um, or open top vehicles or soft skins. Taking that Panther, oh my God. Um, it's got the, the heavy front armor. It's got the super heavy AT gun. It has Tiger Fear. It's, um, you know, it's expensive, but it's not ridiculous compared to some of the other big tanks out there. It yeah, no, is... Tiger Fear was brutal for sure, too. We definitely felt that throughout the entire army. Even as veterans, I mean, drop it down to nine, then you take a couple pins, you're down mm-hmm. to eight or seven. Like, you start to feel that every time you try and do something. Look, I on one hand, I like that they tried to compensate for the heavy cats by giving the Tiger Fear rule. Um, on the other hand... I really wish the Panther Four, uh, sorry, the Panzer Four didn't have it. Uh, I really wish that we could stop saying that the Panzer Four has it. I really wish it yeah, went away. I, I don't want to get the whole uh, Tiger Fear argument or anything about that. There, I just, yeah, ditto. Uh, I just wanted to note that it was an effective role. And to yeah. be fair, I should have played my Sherman a bit better. I didn't actually utilize the fact that I paid, you know, the hundred extra points to get the gyro stabilizers. I should have been using it to move around buildings a lot more yeah. and getting off those, you know, side armor shots there. So that was yeah, a good absolutely. learning to see. I got a little. Uh, a little too big for my britches, you said that. I thought, oh, okay, well, I took out the other tank one roll. Let's see what happens this time. And it turned out to be the exact opposite. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I, 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 okay, in retrospect, I, I probably should have stayed with the Soviets. Um, I, w- I would have had the same big heavy tank experience with the SU-152. Um, could have had, you know, a lot of fun with that list. And I wouldn't have inflicted Tiger Fear on anyone. Um, I feel a little bad now that I was like, oh, I'm playing two, you know, I mean, two great war gamers, like legitimate, experienced war gamers, relatively new to bolt action. But definitely neither time when I was playing you or Nick did I think, oh, uh, I should probably play it easy mode here. No, I was playing legit regular games the way I would anything and we were talking about the games as we were playing it talking through roles before we made them to make sure that people were doing the right things um and um man I I, I shouldn't have taken a time I was like oh I'm not going to take Brandenburgers because I don't want to inflict those rules on a new player what did I do then I took Tiger Fear oops uh, <laughs> it was fine man it was fun it was really cool to see and it was good to see how you were doing your tactics and how you're moving stuff around, and that was really interesting to kind of get that kind of next-level perspective on how you do the game. I've never actually really been accused of being a good war gamer, so that's been very nice of you there. But uh, it, it was good to see how uh, a top professional does things, and I took quite a few tips home there, so don't feel bad about anything there. It was still an amazingly fun game, and we duked it out in the middle. And How good was that last mortar shot where I took out half your squad, rolling that six? Oh, yes. So I loved it. Bolt action happened. It was awesome. So I just, God, man, it was just a good day. I really enjoyed playing, um, played you guys. I really enjoyed the atmosphere. Um, I know everyone, as you said, the prize support at bolt action events, especially in Melbourne, are oh, it's just, it's fantastic. Everyone walked out with a prize. Um, there was, you know, as as we said, there was a couple trophies that got handed out. Um, look, the logistics of getting that many players in one place and having that many bits of terrain out and just organizing, especially in a new venue where you've never rolled into before. I think uh, Lockie and the 
you know, the bacon burger guys did a great job with that one. So, um, you know, hats off to them. And, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do next time. Um, but I guess yeah, next absolutely. time. Cheers guys. It was a really yeah. great event. It was nice to go through and, uh, look forward to the next one. Thanks a lot. Yeah, definitely. Right. Uh, I am looking forward to the next one as well. Um, although the next one and why I was getting funny with that at the end is not because I'm not looking forward to theirs. I am because I get to play. Uh, I'm a little nervous. <laughs> I guess not nervous. I'm excited about the next Melbourne event. Um, so I organized with Good Games Melbourne, um, which was newly refurbished in 2017. Um I organized Operation Wolf there, uh, as I said, about five or six weeks ago. And it was a great event, a lot of fun. Um, and I really enjoyed the venue. It is close to my house. Um, it is well lit. It's clean. It's in the middle of Melbourne, uh, the CBD. It's just a wonderful venue. Um, they got a whole big pile of really cool bolt action stock in specifically for the event. And they've been stocking bolt action amongst lots of other games since then. Um, and it's just a really nice atmosphere. I really like the shop. Um, and, as I said, I just, I couldn't, couldn't say enough nice things about my experiences as a TO there to the point where I said, you know what, let's do it again. Uh, and so following in the theme of Operation Wolf, uh, I'm having Operation Bear. Um, so Operation Bear is the 1st of July. Um, and it was supposed to be, Given how events in Melbourne seem to be growing, I really wanted to go smaller. And so I was thinking, I'll keep it simple. I'll have a 12-person event. And I wanted to do small. And then I got talked into by a couple of my friends, like 12. Look, you you can easily do 20. And I said, okay, I'll do a 20-person event. And I said, and a lot of people said they were interested. So I set up a time and I said, look, if you're interested in the event, you can buy your ticket at uh, 4 o'clock on this Thursday um, just, you know, register then. I sold out in 19 minutes. Um, Kanye West does not sell as fast as those tickets went. It was insane. Dude, no one was more surprised because within 10 minutes. I, I was looking on eBay and they had a bunch of like tickets that are being scalped there for like two hundred $200. It was insane, man. Yeah, exactly. I was like, if they were my tickets. Nobody bought them, yeah. but I put them out. Right on. Oh, man. I was going, what? So um, I spoke to the wonderful manager there. Um, he and I had a, a good long talk. And um, we bumped it out to 26. And um, within an hour of that, I sold out. Um, and I then had a waiting list of more people. Uh, so a couple days ago... Um, uh, or, God, yesterday, I bumped out to 32, and I published the player pack, and I've sold out again. So, um, I have to thank Warlord Games for and, God, War and Peace Games. Um, both have been incredibly generous with prize support. Uh, War and Peace Games, again, guys, if you're in Australia or New Zealand, and you are not talking to War and Peace Games about getting your bolt action stuff, they're amazing. Uh, I know, oh, I, I want to go to get my stuff from Warlord. Well, okay, good. Good for you. Um, good good luck waiting for, you know, weeks for that, um, if not a month. I called. Yeah, uh, I, I will second that. I actually just received an order from War and Peace Games. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're great guys, man. They had a great selection. It was um, good pricing, fast response. I had a little snafu with my order. I sent him an email of the night. I got a response immediately in the morning. It was top-notch service all the way through. And yeah. 
they ship it so fast. Like it's, it's a really good place to go to. Yeah. And I, or what, what last Wednesday I ordered at one of those Canadian trucks, the CMP from uh, Rubicon called him up, said, Hey, you know, can you send me one? No problem. Friday morning. I had it in my hands. Um, nice. and that's, and that's down to Australian mail. If it was on them, it would probably have been my hand on Thursday. And I'm just going, yeah, the Australian postal service is incredibly dismal. So the fact that it even came that fast through them is amazing. Right. And so I'm sitting there going, every time I'm thinking, Oh, I'm going to go get this thing. I can get it cheaper here or I can go there and get my thing. I go, you know what? Who supports the local scene? War and peace. Who can I get my stuff from right away? War and peace. Uh, who am I going to call? War and peace. Uh, so, guys, again, War and Peace Games. Uh, I know I've talked about them in the past. They actually do not sponsor this show. I just love them as human beings. Ian, John, you guys are truly fantastic individuals and wonderful people. Please keep up your awesome service. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. But they are not sponsors of this show. They are sponsors of... Operation Bear. So um, they are sending us prize support for that event. Warlord Games is apparently putting something together special for Operation Bear. I'm. They are surprising me. Um, so I am looking forward to whatever that surprise is. I can't wait. Um, and uh, I can't believe I have neglected to say this until now. Um, so we had the guys from Knights of Dice on in the last episode. Uh, Viv and Scott, and it was awesome. Love talking to those guys. And they were at Operation Grief as well. And they brought a lot of the terrain. Uh, and man, their terrain's so good. Um, and I know if you've been following them on Facebook, since then, they've been making table after table after table of terrain for a new gaming club that's going up. And I was thinking, God, this is awesome. And they called me up and said, hey, do you, do you would you like us to bring some some tables to your event? And I said, Yes, yes, sir. Yes, please, sir. Can you? Yeah, please, sir. May I have some tray? I I was embarrassed to ask, and they were like, "No, cool. You want it? We'll bring it." Because they're both playing. That's really good to hear. And and to be fair, like the first uh, when I listened to your cast, actually with their interview, I'd seen them around at a couple events, and I've kind of heard of them before, but I've never actually um, delved into them too much. But after listening to them talk and hearing their passion, I was looking through their website as the cast was going on. And like they, they've sold me on so much stuff there. Like it's it's amazing at uh, the amount of effort and the amount of passion and time they put into stuff and how that translates on there. And I really like to support, you know, businesses that do stuff like that and people that do things like that. So it's really, really cool. So they've got my business. I'm looking at those table deals. Right. The, uh, the ruined set they have. Oh yes. man, that's that's happening. It's happening. As soon as I can sort some finances out. It's a done deal. Yeah, ditto, man. I'm looking at those new, because their Tabula Rasa line is all about, you know, basic frames of buildings that you can add your own touch to. Uh, And I built six of those um, huts. They're sort of Viking huts um, slash cottages for my Eastern European board. And man, they were perfect. I put all six of them together in one night. Uh, with very while I was watching something else, and it only took me a couple hours, and then I put um, I glued the the cut towel strips on the roof, uh, and you know pe- glued it with PVA, and then sprayed it up. They came up a treat. They're incredibly durable. They're perfect for game clubs, and the fact that they just expanded that range with ruined city bits. Given that I have a ruined city board, I'm looking at that going, oh yeah, 
Oh yeah. I'm going to double down yeah. on that terrain. Come at me, bro. Shut up. Take my money. <laughs> yeah. Right. I like it. I like it. Ugh, I'm trying to, I may have to sell an army, not for the money, for the space. I think I've hit the critical mass of space. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm looking at their, tr- at their tables going, uh, I, I, yes, I, I don't need any more. I have seven tables of terrain in my closet right now. Do I need more? And then I look at their website and go, yes, yes, I do. So, yeah, I'm looking at a couple of organs. I'm like, I've got some doubles. I don't need <laughs> organs. I, I, I could make some wiggle room here. This would be all right. Yeah. That's not to say it's expensive. It's just that I want all the stuff. Right. And that's the other thing. So cheap. And I look at it going, God damn. Oh, uh, okay. So they, but on top of that, they were like, so we'll bring some tables. I was like, thanks so much guys. And then they went, Oh, would you like some prize support too? And I was like, uh, I was actually <laughs> embarrassed to ask about that, but yes, please, sir. Um, uh, so we, we have some great sponsors. Uh, I've actually been talking to a few other people about, um, prize support. So dude, I would say if you're not, if you haven't already signed up for Operation Bear, get on it, man. It's going to be a party, but it's sold out again. So um, get on the wait list. Uh, I feel really bad. I want to keep letting people in. <laughs> that was the worst promotion I've ever heard. If you haven't signed up yet, sign up now. But you can't. So don't. <laughs> <It's> already... <laughs> oh, I feel so but bad. Or if you find a ticket on eBay for $200, it's now $300. But either way, if you find a ticket there, pick it up. Yeah, man. Right. Um, so July 1st, Good Games Melbourne, uh, Operation Bear, 32 players. Now, a couple of people have asked and there's been a little bit of talk on some bolt action podcasts. Um, a couple of got a couple got a couple of ones in the UK in particular about the idea of not giving players missions prior to the event so they can't build their lists to it. And that's something we used to do. Um, sorry, building their lists to maximize uh, efficiency in those missions. Um, and it's something we used to do in Warhammer 40,000. And um, it's something I actually did a long time ago as a bolt action TO and sort of got out of the habit and just sort of announced things. So just like for Operation Wolf, I will not be saying what missions I'm running on at Operation Bear. Um, but unlike previously, uh, I'm actually working on a new mission pack. As I wrote most of the missions in the Bolt Action Alliance mission pack for 2016, I think it was, um, I'm making a 2018 mission pack. Uh, and so I'm starting with the three missions at Operation Bear. And so two of those will be objective grabs, and one of those will be a sort of a kill point mission, um, like a meeting engagement or maximum attrition situation. So the idea is that if you are coming to the event, um, you need to come up with an army that isn't just going to kill. You need to, or hide. You need to be able to get out there and grab objectives, but you don't want to grab, you don't want to have an army with all the order dice because then you are going to be extremely disadvantaged for that, um, for that other third mission. Um, basically, it's my way of trying to combat people from net listing or working too hard one way or another list wise. Um, I'm really sort of, I'm hoping that people don't really go heavy with competition for this event. Um, I'm really hoping to have a light friendly atmosphere. Um, some elements of competitive gaming, um, in bolt action in particular have really been getting me down lately. Uh, and so I'm trying to fight that. 
Um, and one of the ways I'm doing that is with the event, I'm giving out, so 32 players, nine trophies. Um, there's going to be best painted, best theme, best new player, uh, best sportsman as voted by the, their peers. Um, so those four clearly have nothing to do with the podium. Um, there is also going to be a new award, which I'm calling bolt action badass. Um, and it's for the, for someone who's taking a list that is hard mode. Um, now you might say, what do I mean by that? Do I mean hardcore mode, like taking a cheesy list? No, the opposite. Um, and it's not the best theme either. Um, it's for someone who's really going out of their way to take something, maybe something new or something different, maybe doesn't conform to a historical, uh, formation. I like to think maybe it does. So maybe they aren't the Nick Beatty super theme guys, but it's something where if you want to take Norwegians um, and you don't have all the toys, uh, you are eligible for recognition for that. Um, that said, if someone took a Norwegian list with no toys, they would probably get best theme. Just saying. Um, but I'm trying to differentiate it out and acknowledge um, people who are trying to do it a little different. Um, I, I enjoy that as a player, and I'd like to encourage that as a TO. Um, of course, we also have the podium, uh, but I will be using, um, if we have a tie on the podium, uh, I will be using countback. Um, the countback I will be using will be best sports vote. So if I have two people for first place and one of them got three votes for best sport and one of them got two votes for best sport, the person who the players had more fun playing will win. I would like to encourage good sportsmanship and not win it all cost behavior, if that makes sense. Uh, Byron, you've been listening to this for a while. What do you think? I think it's a fantastic idea. I really like the uh, all the awards you have out there. And then it's, it's sounding like it's going to be shaping up to be a really good event. I've been pushing you to do a 10th award, which I'm still going to put towards your consideration. Seeing as you're doing a 111-point event, I want to see a there can only be one award. Yeah. Because it's 111 points. And I want to see somebody do one of everything, just one choice. You have one inexperienced, one regular, one veteran squad, mm. one of MG, one of everything. I think that'd be kind of cool, but I'll leave it up to you. That would be awesome, man. I love it. Uh, I, oh, I love that idea. I also love the idea since it happens to be a special day in your homeland um, that you might be wearing a special outfit for the day. I will be wearing uh, either double denim or full plaid because it is Canada Day, which is the greatest day in the entire calendar where we won our independence from Britain simply by asking them for it. It was a very simple, very simple request that went through there. And uh, yeah, awesome. Canada Day, I will bring in some maple syrup. I'll probably have a, uh, there might be some treats in my bag that uh, mm. you might want to, uh, you know, parlay with. We'll see. Nice. Very nice. I was going to say, are we going to be drinking uh, maple syrup and whiskey shots? Because, uh, whew. <laughs> I, was, I was implying that. I wasn't sure how uh, how cool Good Games is with those kind of things. So it uh, might have to go down in the uh, street corner slash alley. alleyway <laughs> as most of the, uh, the good things go down there. All the good Canadian things happen in the alley. Is that what you're saying? That, those are where we smuggle our Nickelback CDs. It's like, hey, man. You, you want to buy some How You Remind Me? Oh, wow. Oh, and this show got dark again real fast. <laughs> oh, 
how dare you say the name of that song on this podcast, sir? I so hope that's one of your musical interludes now. That's going to be in your mind for the next couple of days. I, and I, you just see the serious permed hair that Chad Kroger has oh. as he drifts throughout the Canadian landscape on his four-wheeler for whatever reason. It burns. Get it out of my head. <laughs> uh, yeah, fair enough. Right yeah, I've been looking forward to it. I'm super pumped for it. It's going to be a great event. Good Games is always a fun venue. The uh, I like the idea of the admissions coming late. I personally mm-hmm. do not look at the missions until the day of. Mostly because I can't be bothered and I drink too much. But uh, I do like the fact that you can be surprised by it all there. So it should make for some interesting encounters. Well, I'm, I'm actually glad you brought that up because I was sort of, that was on my note to come back to. I actually was writing it down to say, okay, I need to go back to that. So I'm actually, because no one has ever seen these missions, I'm actually going to release them in advance. But as I said, I don't want people listening to them. So I've asked for people to turn in their list a week before the event. And because of that, after I get everyone's list, I am not, I'm going to put out the missions. So people will oh, have that's a, a great idea. Yeah. I like that. People have a week to read them and understand them. Um, and so people can ask some good questions on the day. Um, I know that at Operation Grief, uh, Chris Peck, uh, friend of the show, and a couple other people had some really intelligent, clever questions uh, about how Heartbreak Ridge worked. Um, and you know, was able to answer it right off the bat. And so I will be doing the exact same thing at Operation Bear. So please read the, uh, if you're a player, please read the missions in advance uh, and let us know what you think. If you have any questions, I'm happy to answer them. Um, they have been play tested um, nominally. Um, Operation Bear is a little bit of a guinea pig session before I put it out properly. Um, that said, they are fair. I have run them by... Um, some of the quote unquote, well, not even quote unquote, some of literally the best bolt action players slash TOs, uh, across the world. Um, I've sent them out. Um, I got feedback from five people today, um, about their validity and everyone is on board. Uh, I am going to play test them myself to make sure they're ready and, uh, we will hand them out. Um, and if you are a listener to the show and you are not actually going to be making Operation Bear, I will be posting the Operation Bear version of the missions um, through the Facebook page of this podcast. So if you would like to look at them and play them at home and provide your feedback, I would love that too, um, because I will be formally publishing them uh, in a full PDF with, and you know, as one of, so three of six missions later this year. Uh, and I had a very good chat with an old friend of the show about mission number four today. Um, and I'm very excited about that. Um, if I hadn't solidified the first three, I might have made that number four. Uh, so anyway, very excited. Very excited. On one last note, um, I've had a few people asking me about lists um, because I have said that I'm being fairly draconian um, as a TO. The ban hammer is coming out. Um, I will be asking people to resubmit lists that I feel um, are a little rough um, for the nature of this event. Um, As I said, rough listing sort of bummed me out of late. Um, And I know that that some people don't like that. and I get that. I, I understand that there's a whole country of Scotland that says that if it's in the book, you should be able to play it. Um, and I understand. I, I've been that guy in the past. I get. But I'm not running that event. Um, I'm running something that is fun um, where people can take a list. And if you roll up across a from your opponent, um, you're not going to get curb stomped. Um, at least I hope not. So I'm trying... 
I'm I'm encouraging players to turn in things that may be a little softer than usual um, for this event. Now, will I run an event like that in the future? Maybe not. Maybe I will. I don't know. Um, there are lots of events with a lot of different point values and a lot of different um, uh, styles of play. I'm going for something that is definitively less aggressive for this event. So... Um, I'm sorry if that is not your particular cup of tea. Um, maybe um, try something new, or I don't know. Um, I, I hope I hope everyone who comes has a good time. I guess is what I'm trying to say. And the I one last, yeah. And I, I've always been a firm believer that uh, whoever runs the tournament should run the tournament that they want to play at. Right. So if, if you're looking for something a little bit harder, I think uh, by all means start your own event. I mean, like mm -hmm. get it out there, put that out there, and we'll have people come to that as well. So. For this event, that sounds like a great, uh, a great kind of compromise, I think. Yeah. Hey, if someone runs an all-comers, uh, balls-to-the-wall, hardcore, bolt-action event, uh, look, I may have a go. Uh, it sounds like my idea of cancer, but um, I, I look, I, I used to play like that, and I have a ton of armies that are painted in a box right now uh, that I haven't gotten around to um, nicening up. So... Look, man, I'm ready to rock and roll right now. Um, and I definitely know how to play the game for keeps. Um, I don't think that, I mean, I don't do that for fun, but if someone ran that event, I'd probably play. Um, so, you know, yeah, hey. Could be interesting, could be interesting. And I, I should say that I have seen some of the new missions there, and the, the plus two to wound for all Canadian armies, that was a nice touch. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that on the battlefield. Ha, 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 You have not seen the missions yet, Jared. <laughs> um, <laughs> Doesn't hurt to try. Well, there is this, okay, there is one other thing, and I just realized that we talked about it earlier, but I should say it. Um, I did have a couple of people commenting, I am running, Operation Bear is a 1,111 point event. Now, you might say, why is that? Well, a lot of people build their list for 1,000 points or 1,250. Um, I really wanted to challenge people to think outside the box, um, so I went with 1111. Um, again... Uh, sorry, not sorry. I really want people to have some fun and do something different. Um, and I'm hoping that by doing something different, they're doing something less aggressive. Um, it gives them a chance to maybe take some units that they wouldn't normally have. Um, and in that vein, um, and this is partially because time is a consideration for this event. Um, I am I'm limiting it to one platoon. Now, I hear the internet screaming in the background, especially in the UK and Scotland. A lot of people saying, why, why? That's so archaic and old. Again, it's a one-off. I'm not doing that every event. I'm doing it once. Um, but I'm giving people the option to add an option to their list. So you get one reinforced platoon. That's it. No theater selectors. But you can take any of the plus ones in the reinforced platoon list, and you can take a second one but it can't be a duplicate. So for example, you could take two armored cars, but you couldn't take two Pumas. You could take a triple two and a Puma, but you couldn't take two triple twos. Um, even though the triple two comes with an option to have a different gun, you couldn't take one triple two with the usual autocannon and one triple two with the Panzer uh, Bush. You can't do that. It's gotta be a different entry. So for example, um, I think the Churchill and the Churchill ARV uh, 
I think that's the acronym. I think they're different entries in the British book. Uh, of course, this is a terrible option because I'm having to think about it. Let me go with one I do know. So if you go with two different versions of Sherman's, um, they, they each have their own entry and they each have their own set of point values and their own sets of weapons. You could take those two Shermans, but you couldn't take um, a tank... So you couldn't take a Tiger One, for example, and then a second Tiger One that has a uh, pintle-mounted machine gun and say that they're different, if that makes sense. Um, it also means that you can't double up on things like snipers because they're the same. But you could double up on mortars, a, a medium mortar and a heavy mortar, so um, or a light mortar. So they just couldn't be the same. So I know it's wacky. But I really want to push people sort of out of their comfort zone and maybe paint some new stuff and try some new units. Uh, Byron, is this messing with you any? I know your army kind of fit to start with. Yeah, no, it was good to get some clarification on the rules like that. So I'm inter I'm uh, looking forward to doing it. So I'll probably be running two different types of tanks or possibly um, with two different machine gun teams, LMG and MMG work for that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'll be doing something like that, that just a bit of fun. So, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty simple to slot in there, actually. I'm looking forward to seeing somebody that can actually get 100, uh, 1,111 points exactly. Uh, if we can work the list that way, that sounds interesting. Yeah. But uh, it, it sounds fun, man. I like it. It's a cool little uh, twist on it all. Right on. Right on. Well, uh, I hate to do this to you, Byron. We've been talking for, God, a really long time. And um, we've gotten a little <laughs> off. While. We've been a little off topic. Um, hopefully folks have enjoyed listening to us um, chatting. But um, sadly, I think our time is almost up. Um, can you please tell us if folks would like to hear your delicious, dulcet Canadian tones, um, how can they hear more of you? Well, if you get a chance, uh, check out the Red Jokers podcast. It's primarily, well, actually pretty much 100% a Malifaux podcast, which is a completely different game system there. But if you're interested in that game or want to know more about it, definitely check it out. We're a pretty positive cast there. We try and uh, have a bit of fun doing everything there. So give it a listen on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast feed, perhaps for a mail subscription. I do not know, but uh, <laughs> Apple iTunes has it for sure. Awesome, man. Right on. And likewise, if you have somehow found this show and don't know how to find it, um, Cast Dice is found uh, through iTunes. Um, it is... It is hosted through SoundCloud, um, so you can direct download it through there. Um, but basically, if you would like to give us any feedback on this particular podcast, uh, I, Brad, would love to hear from you as this is kind of my, my show. Um, you can find us uh, on Facebook under Land O Misfit Toys slash home of the Cast Dice podcast or you could just type cast dice c-a-s-t-d-i-c-e into the facebook search algorithm and the page should appear um that is my personal hobby blog page i like to post things that interest me um what projects i've been looking at or working on um and uh it's where i will be posting a lot of the information about operation bear um, if you would like to see um, pictures of the trophies and whatnot, they'll be posted probably on that page and also through the Operation Bear um, event page, which is uh, also on Facebook. So you can join it there even if you're not going. Or if you are going and you haven't joined up to that, I highly recommend that you do. Um, I am sad to say that Operation Bear is sold out. Um, please contact me if 
you would like to be added to the waiting list. Um, there are a couple of names that may be on there. Um, it is first come, first serve. As names come in, um, I do add them. And as people, uh, unfortunately, have other things come up um, and as names disappear, hopefully I will be able to um, replace players with other people who want to play so that we will have an honest-to-God 32 players playing on July 1st. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just really excited about the event coming up and, um, yeah, um, on, on a personal note, uh, I do want to thank you all for listening. Uh, I've been really under the weather the last couple of weeks and, um, part of that has been just fighting through exhaustion. Um, as you can probably tell from tonight's podcast, I'm a little all over the place, um, and I'm a little worn out. Um, I, I will have the show back running normally next week. Uh, I have to thank Byron for coming on and talking shop with me tonight, knowing that I was all over the joint. Um, and it's why we didn't record last week at all. I was sick as a dog. Um, so I, I do have to thank the people who wished me well and wondered where the show was. Um, I hope, um, well, not I hope, the show will be back up and running, full-time, rock and roll. Uh, by next week also look for a new warlord cast uh very soon with some very exciting insights into the new conflict 47 book i will be playing some of the new conflict 47 stuff and podcasting about it soon gaslands star wars legion there's all sorts of great content coming on this podcast uh i do realize that podcasts don't cost anything to download I do want to thank you for listening, though, because time is a commodity, and you've spent it listening to us tonight. So thank you very much for your time uh, and your patronage. It is honestly appreciated. Ladies and gentlemen, I guess that's it. There's only one thing left to say. I hope that your beverages are cold. I hope that your dice are rolling hot. But more than anything, when you are playing the games that we love, I hope that you are having fun. Good night.
And then track my hungry 